Good morning on this Tuesday, 22nd of December, this last week of Advent. One of the aspects of our church, among many, many beautiful considerations, is its repetition of history or its consistency of time. This book of Samuel, this is coming to us from approximately 960 B.C., so it's about 40 years, 50 years after the reign of David. Samuel is the daughter, or daughter, Samuel is the son of Hannah, and Hannah is married to Elkanah, and Elkanah has two wives, Elkanah, I'm not sure where the accent goes, Elkanah or Elkanah, and Phinanah and Hannah. So Phinanah and Hannah are Elkanah's two wives, because it was uh, very common back then for, in the Jewish faith, for a man to have several wives. And Phinanah is mean to Hannah because Phinanah has children and Hannah is barren. She does not. And so she stands praying before the priest that she would have a son. And years pass and it doesn't happen. Well then, uh, the story begins, this beautiful first chapter of 1 Samuel, because there are two books of Samuel. It says that Elkanah and Hannah are together in prayer. And then they return to their home, and soon thereafter she conceives. It's just a beautiful thought of husband and wife and this union, procreative union. So she conceives, and what we hear from today in today's reading from 1 Samuel is she offers then Samuel, the son, to the church. She offers her son Samuel to the church because she is so joyed that her promise has been fulfilled. This request for a son is fulfilled by this by God and her promise satisfied, so she offers her son in return to the church. In 673, a child is born, 673 AD now, current era, 673, current era, and his name is Bede, B-E-D-E, and he's a, he becomes a priest, but he's born in uh, modern-day England, and he likewise is given to the church as a boy. His mother brings Beatty to the monastery of St. Peter, which is in modern day England, as a young boy. It's a Benedictine monastery, and he's given to the church. She had other sons. She gave this son, Beatty, to the church. So he's assumed into that community, and that was a common practice then. Uh, young ones were brought either to uh, monasteries or to convents and given as young ones in dedication to the faith and then they would grow up and serve that community in different ways and in his case he's accepted in as a Benedictine monk he is professed as he reaches maturity and Beatty goes on to become uh, a great writer in fact he's known as the father of English history he's the father of English history he writes a work in the early 700s He would die in 735, so by 705, 710, he's writing these amazing works. And he is um, a formator, if you will, of the English language as we know it, because he's an Anglo-Saxon speaker, but he's, he's helping to form the English language, which would, almost 400 years after his death, become more formalized. Well, Beattie writes many beautiful things, and today, On this day that we have this reading about Samuel being dedicated by his mother and given to Eli early in life, we have today Beattie 
writing for us in the daily office, that's the divine office many of us pray, he gives us a reflection on the Magnificat. You heard Deacon Andy just read this prayer of Mary or song of Mary as it's known. And this is what Venerable Beatty, as he's known, had to say about the Magnificat. I'll just read for you his words because he's such a beautiful writer. Alcuin the monk was a student of his, also of great fame. Beatty would become a doctor of the church. He's the only one from England who is a doctor of the church. This is what Beatty said. Now you have to put yourself in his setting to get the experience of it. He's in a stone monastery that's lit only by fire, oil lamp, candles. It's cold. It's England. The wind is blowing. We don't know if it's day or night when he's writing this. We don't know. Whatever setting satisfies you, select that one. But just picture this monk, a very simple living, a Benedictine monk whose whole life is prayer, sitting in this cold stone monastery, looking out over the fields of England with the wind blowing. This is what he has to say about the Magnificat. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The Lord has exalted me by a gift so great, so unheard of, that language is useless to describe it, and the depths of love in my heart can scarcely grasp it. I offer then all the powers of my soul in praise and thanksgiving. As I contemplate his greatness, which knows no limits, I joyfully surrender my whole life, my senses, my judgment, my spirit rejoices in the eternal Godhead, that Jesus, that Savior whom I have conceived in this world of time. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary looks back to the beginning of her song, where she said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Only that soul for whom the Lord in his love does great things can proclaim his greatness with fitting praise and encourage those who share her desire and purpose, saying, Join with me in proclaiming the greatness of the Lord. Let us extol his name together. Those who know the Lord, yet refuse to proclaim his greatness and sanctify his name to the limit of their power, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. His name is called holy because in the sublimity of his unique power, he surpasses every creature and is far removed from all that he has made. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy. In a beautiful phrase, Mary calls Israel the servant of the Lord. The Lord came to his aid to save him. Israel is an obedient and humble servant. In the words of Hosea, Israel was a servant, and I loved him. Those who refuse to be humble cannot be saved. They cannot say with the prophet, See, God comes to my aid. The Lord is the helper of my soul. But anyone who makes himself humble like a little child is greater in the kingdom of heaven. The promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. This does not refer to the physical descendants of Abraham, but to his spiritual children. These are his descendants, sprung not from the flesh only, but who, whether circumcised or not, have followed him in faith. Circumcised as he was, David believed, and this was credited to him as an act of righteousness. The coming of the Savior was promised to Abraham and to his descendants forever. 
These are the children of promise to whom it was said, If you belong to Christ, then you are descendants of Abraham, heirs in accordance with the promise. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Venerable Beatty, pray for us. <laughs>